It's my pleasure to chat now with Tumi Muraka, who's a veteran comedian who's finally been given a Comic of the Year award at the sixth annual Savannah Comics Choice Award. First female. Woohoo! Uh, <laughs> good morning, Tumi. <laughs> good morning. Why did it Jeez, take them so long? I, I'm actually surprised it happened so quickly <laughs> um, because. You know, those awards are really young and the growth of female of females in the industry, you know, hasn't been as quick, you know, as yeah, the industry yeah. itself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, that's really what I suppose you get up on stage each time you do whatever you do. And it's it's just you've got to work it a little bit harder. Perhaps you've got to be a little bit more raw, a little bit more unapologetic. Or am I misreading that? Um, yeah, I don't know if you need to be more, uh, the, it's so complicated because we women, we expect to be ladies, we expect to car- carry ourselves a certain way. And the minute you go into stand-up comedy, you turn all of that on its head. Mm. Because the biggest thing about being a woman on stage doing stand-up comedy is that you're a woman with a voice. Which, if you think about it, regardless of where you're from, it's unusual. It's unusual for women to stand and take that kind of power because stand-up comedy is about power, man. It's about people wielding their power to you, um, you know, and giving in to you so that they can laugh like that and have such a good time and let you, you know, take them on that journey. So I guess the big difference really is that we just have to shirk the traditional position of a woman and just take over. It's, It's a very, I don't know, it's such a... I find it very masculine. <laughs> well, I would. I'm just. I'm flabbergasted um, when you think about what you're saying. It's really that 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 men actually feel threatened <laughs> by a woman being funny, which is so bizarre. I mean, yeah, you, would, you would think of all territory, this would not be one occupied solely by men. That's the thing. I mean, if you look at female comedians, especially you know, um, if you look at the earlier earlier performance is that they, they, they're not sexy. They are as, as androgynous as possible. If they're not androgynous, they are either extremities, obese, or just pushing the unattractive thing. And only now or recently are you finding that comedians are sexy, man. They're going up there and they're going, yeah. I can be beautiful, yeah. sexy, and funny. You know what I mean? Um, and, and, and I don't even know if it's so much the intimidation as, you know, even in the in the dating game, in the courting game, the guy's the one who has to charm, tell this make you laugh, not the girls. <laughs> so it's almost like we're turning the game on its head. And when when I think of what you're saying now, you're also saying is that if you are not stereotypically attractive, then it's okay for you to be raunchy because, you know, you're one of the guys, really. Exactly, um, exactly. But if, so you need to challenge that. But if you are like yourself, black, beautiful, and there you are rocking this big hair, owning it, <laughs> living it, you, you know... <sighs> I would think you're a shoe in for being funny, but you know that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and and so for those of you who now are curious and you're wanting to see if you don't already know what Tumi looks like, because I'll tell you a little bit about all the kinds of things she's been doing. And in case you're asleep, um, we <laughs> we've <laughs> tweeted a picture of her and a photo of her with that 
big hair we're going to put with the sound link so you can listen to it again all over at your leisure. So, Timmy, you're going to be doing a tour, finally, 10 years, and now you're getting your act together <sighs> to tour South Africa. Come on now. I mean, I know. you know, <laughs> what took you so long to get to me or not to me? I think it's because I was doing so many other things as well. Um, I've always been that artist, you know, and I blame it on going to vets where you got to try a little bit of everything. And I fell in love with everything I tried. So I've done everything I've tried on top of comedy. So it is very hard to go touring when I'm committed to a sitcom, you know, so I need to be around, I need to be in studio or I'm shooting this thing or other, or I'm busy having babies, you know, and I'm not trying to schlep some poor little child all over. Um, so now I've, I've just arrived at a point where I say, look, my kids are old enough now. Yeah. By 12 weekends, I can plan it nicely that I'm either traveling with my kids or at least I know there's no strain happening midweek when they're at school. And I'm so much more confident in who I am as well that I, I'm sure I can do this. Because, you know, it's going to be, it's, it's, when you're touring, it's, it's such a huge risk as well because you're going to places where they probably don't consume a lot of comedy, so you don't know how your, your tickets will do. So I had to be at a place where I'm ready to take that kind of financial risk where I'm also mm. ready to just drop everything and go, say no to a lot of work that comes our way. I mean, you'll find that a lot of comedians, our biggest addiction is corporate work. So I've had to go 2017. I'm kissing a lot of this corporate work goodbye because I need to focus on my dream, which is to actually go out and do my comedy. There's mm. so many people who do know Dumi Marake, but they don't know Dumi Marake as a comedian. I mean, I've actually met people who say, oh my gosh, you do stand-up comedy? Wow. <laughs> because they've only seen me do other stuff. They know me in the comedy context of sitcom or they know me from my presenting time. So, yeah, it's it's very nice to just know that this year, going into next year, I'm just going to spend time, you know, really getting people to know me and getting to know my audience. I don't know what happened there. It sounded like your phone sort of almost wanted to go into the fishbowl and then came out. Oh, <laughs> but, really? Um, but it was just for a brief while, and I was sort of looking with beseeching eyes at Malibongwe. <laughs> but here <laughs> you are. Do you think it was on the strength of... of of winning this award um, as a comic of the year that you thought, okay, I've now been acknowledged. So on the back of that, I think South Africa's ready for me. Yeah, I feel like now I have nothing to prove. <laughs> I've got my award. I think I've made my point. <laughs> so, but, you know, so you say something very powerful because when you're working a crowd – a crowd can turn on you mm. in a second. Now, mm. as a veteran, you know how to manage the hecklers. But the point is that not everybody gets the work that you build up. It's inevitable. Mm. I'm one mm. of those people who often, you know, when I'm listening to a comedian, I hear everyone else laughing and yeah, not so much, but when no one else is laughing, that's when I start laughing. And there's always <laughs> going to be someone like me in the audience. <laughs> Loving you, laughing at the you, laughing at the gags that are hiding in the corridor. Everybody is looking at the gag that's well lit in the room, yeah. and you're like, no, 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 I love that gag that's hiding in that little corner. Yeah. I get it, and 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 that's the thing about comedy. That's another thing I had to grow up 
and and learn is that not everyone will have to love me because yes. I'd started also trying to change my style, trying to, you know, um, rework my subject and just to see, you know, if I could bring in a different audience that I would had maybe I would have read on social media didn't like you know, certain angle to my comedy or, and then I realized, no man, you can't please everyone yeah. and that's okay. And you've actually got to be reach true to yourself. Reach the people you need to reach. Yeah. Yes, because I mean, now I lose myself. That's you, exactly you, it. sorry to interrupt you there. Um, I, I was so excited about the, the, my my train of thought. <laughs> you you use your life and you, you use motherhood and wifehood. I'm sure some people also aren't that keen on you having too much fun about that. Because these are, you know, quite important archetypal roles. Yeah, but you know, you find a lot of male comedians talking about this stuff, and it's it's nice to get the female voice. That's not necessarily responding, but going, I'm not a zombie in this thing. I'm not in a coma. <laughs> yes. um, I'm also living and reacting, yes. and very active in this thing. So let me say something is the first thing. The second thing is women need to also stop selling themselves as these victims of circumstance. You know, sometimes we need to kind of, you know, acknowledge where we have, we set those rules. We can't now suddenly be surprised, you know? Um, and, and I love doing that kind of comedy. Look, and, and for me, it, it also comes from knowing that I'm a mother and a wife who's very unconventional. I've met enough men who've said to me, they can't believe I am genuinely married. Like they've literally gone and googled after oh, okay. they me. So they think it's part I'm of your married. of your patter. Because a lot yes. of people talk about things. You know, my wife. You know, um, yes, Petunia, exactly. and you know exactly. that Petunia doesn't exist or honey doesn't exist. Um, <laughs> exactly. And and so what you're saying is people think it's it's just a performance, but it's real. It's part of the act. Yeah, yeah. 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 And so um, you know, I, I go out there and I just go look. I know there are certain expectations of this is what a wife is, this is what a mom is. I'm none of those things, and that's fine. Mm. You know what I mean? And mm. and I love that because I um, the point for me is, you know, comedy has always been there to affirm and to challenge, mm. you know? And my thing is to affirm the, the people who feel sidelined. Mm. Um, when I tackle race, I unashamedly go up there and I go, this is a country that belongs to all who are in it. We have Mm. a violent history. Mm. We have, everybody has a good reason why they're angry about the things they're angry Mm. about. But if we pretend, if we get, if we're all angry behind closed doors and then we walk onto the streets to act like everything's okay, we're going to continue with this racial terrain that this country has. And so I'm not afraid to continue talking race in my comedy. You know, and I'm always surprised when I read somewhere someone going, "Oh, these comedians really this um, black and white thing is tired." Mm. How are you calling it tired yeah. when we're still reading the headlines we read in the newspapers? When we're still having the Twitter wars that we're seeing between black and white? You cannot, you cannot afford to say that. You know, because also where's the easiest place to talk about it? Mm. A place where we're both laughing about it. And, you know and, what I mean? and sometimes it's still so close that it, it's it's tricky to to do anything other than laugh. Now, comedians exactly. are known uh, for their work being raunchy and rude and rambunctious. You're a mother. You say your children are old enough for you to travel. Do you find that you tailor that a little bit because you think, oh, they might be listening? No. Oh, heck no. <laughs> My goodness. No. 
you know, um, my, my thing is we cannot afford to shelter children. Um, sometimes when I've heard when I've heard younger people who are prejudiced of different backgrounds speaking, you can hear when you're hearing parrots. You can tell when you're listening to a parrot. You can tell when you're listening to someone who doesn't live in the real world, who's coming from a sheltered place. And that's sad. So I want my kids to live in the real world. I'm not saying now I throw uh, F-bombs around them and I tackle controversial stuff that they're too young to understand. Um, but I am saying that I'm still myself. Um, my son came to watch me do stand-up comedy when I was in Cape Town. And I was away. He was in the audience. And that night I did do a, a, much, a, a much gentler set. And... But I was still making the point that needed to be made, you know. Okay. Um, but I'm also, I, I even say it to the guys who sell my shows that you make sure that no under 16 is up on that thing. Because I feel like if someone's under, under 16 and they're listening to me, they had better have an open-minded parent who's going to sit down and break it down. Mm. Because, you know, um, I, I, I don't know. I just don't want to mess with somebody's mind. I don't want to mess with a child's mind. Mm. So I need someone who understands life who has at least started living. <laughs> so, but yeah, man. What you said is important. It also it is a, a responsibility for us to talk about things that are shocking. And uh, yes. you said a parent who's prepared to break it down. Uh, because, mm. you know, often what happens is we, we go into these dark corners and we get stuck Mm. And actually, what comedy does is it brings it into the light and said, actually, here it is. You mm. know, it's awkward. Isn't it ridiculous mm. how awkward it is? And let's talk about no. it. No. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I, I remember, uh, I always thought the birds and bees talk. You only even begin to think about it when your child's a teenager, right? But my my son, when he was six, saw me on on a rerun on TV. And I said, oh, my gosh, that's that's when your daddy was still my boyfriend. I didn't even have you guys yet. And he looked, turned to me and said, but you were sexing. Hey, mom. Hey, mom. Hey. <laughs> and the man, he just went pale. <laughs> he was like, what are we and all this? And I turned to him and I said, yes, you know. And then we went into a gentle, not in-depth conversation mm. about how people who love each other, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Because, again, it's that thing of, you know, comedy. Comedy makes you rethink your perspective on things. And one of the things I've gotten to rethink is my perspective on things like, you know, children and their vulnerability around topics around sex. And I was thinking if I start my children off as teaching them about the sex that is scary, ugly, when they feel good about it, it they're going to feel like freaks. Or... They're going to have a problem differentiating, you know, um, between when, I don't know, between when it's right and when it's wrong. I don't know if you know what I mean. Like, I feel like you put them in such a... Yeah, I, I have a problem with, with making sex scary and ugly for children. And then suddenly when yeah. they get old enough, we expect them to be all mature and understand mm. how to be in a loving relationship. And and, mm. and yet you've been demonizing it and making but it such a secret uh, yeah. and making it bigger than it is. Um, mm. And I like what you Same did is you, you said, this is what it is, you know. And when you're in mm. a relationship, that's when it's appropriate. <laughs> Mm, mm. But um, for the most part, man, my kids are kids and my comedy is something they don't really get to 
experience much because uh, because I'm a I'm a I'm a raw comic man. Mm-hmm. I know my comedy isn't on at family time, <laughs> so uh, they're not gonna see it. Um, and like I said, when they do see it, I've made the conscious decision of my kids in the room. This is what I'm gonna do. Mm-hmm. You know, and he loved it. He was so happy. I got so emotional because he always said I'm not funny. And then after that day, <laughs> he was like, oh, funny. you are so funny. <laughs> Out of but the mouth of babes. Yeah. Dude, but you know what I realized as well? I learned a lot about myself as well in through my comedy. Um, Absolutely. My own prejudice, my own fears, you know. And, and I, it's a it's a great thing. And I bet you that conversation with your son at six, you used in your comedy. Yes, I actually should. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, well, how do I make this funny? Because here's another thing that yeah. I've learned. Yeah. Okay, and this I learn in clubs when I'm tasting material. Mm. Kids, the fu- the funny of kids and the humor around kids, sometimes only as mothers will get it. And then yes. you go and share it in a room and the girl going, we don't get it. Why is that funny? <laughs> <laughs> but it's a kid and he's sick and this is why it's cute and they're going no we use contraception we don't know what you're talking about so but but you so, see you know i mean in a comedy situation you don't actually have to say anything it's just on your face it's that that question mm, mark that every every mother faces when mm, your child asks mm, you a question that you mm, thought you wouldn't have to deal with for another decade mm, you know mm, you don't mm. actually have to say anything you just have to stop <laughs> With a question mark on your face. <laughs> and whether they're using contraception or not, they'll get it. <laughs> yeah, true, true, true. <laughs> now, this award you won at uh, the uh, Savannah Comics Choice Award was not your first award. You've, you've, you've been working it. Ish, man. Yeah, man. I live up to my hashtag, Berakamusaidi. I I really make sure I work, um, but I, I, I sometimes I don't even notice I'm working as much. It's because I I love what I'm doing. So um, yes, I've received I have a couple of awards for awards for writing. Um, I have a couple for comedy that I got before the seven hour one. Um, do I have one for acting? No, not yet. <laughs> um, oh, excuse me, <laughs> not yet. There, there's a woman no, on a mission. <laughs> please, please. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because you know, in 2016, um, you also got uh, the You Spectacular Award for the, yes. for the Best Comedian of the Year. Yes. Do you know how sad I was that I was in Ghana when that happened? I was so, so sad. Did you see how um, sweetly you snuck that in? I was in Ghana when that happened. <laughs> Here you are, this international busy woman. Oh, what a pity I was in Ghana when that happened. <laughs> You know, just thought I should throw it in there. Yeah, just quietly. <laughs> <laughs> but that means a lot. I mean, that kind of affirmation, man, mm, you know. Because mm. I, I agree with a lot of artists who say we don't do these, this for the awards. Sure. They do come. Oh, my word. You know, nobody can deny how good affirmation feels. Because mm. if we didn't feel that good, we'd all be just handing those awards away mm. as soon as we get them and going, oh, no, thank you. Just hand it over, please. Give it to someone else. You mm. know what I mean? Mm. Uh, but we don't do that. And and um, it's because it's important to know that people are seeing you, you know. Um, mm. And the big thing for me as well is is I I, I live in, in what my husband and I call the United Colors of Benetton, you know. When you look at our friends and family, it's so many different religions, many different races, cultures. And I feel like as a comedian, I wouldn't be reflecting my true life if my audience was made up purely of people who look like me. 
you know. Mm. And so in all my shows, I'm not as concerned about how full it is as I am about how diverse my audience is. Because then I start wondering, why am I not being heard, you know, mm. by certain groups? Mm. So it's it's another thing that just, it drives me, man. It drives me. And yeah, I remember when I did uh, To Me or Not To Me uh, at, the, at the Lyric Theater and the joy that filled me before I even started the performance because I looked into that auditorium and I called it my Trevor Noah audience. Mm-hmm. because I had your Indian-colored, white, black, you know, community in there and everybody literally having a good laugh. Not one corner laughing at some point in the show, then another corner, like the whole room mm-hmm. together on mm-hmm. this journey. And I thought, this, this is, dude, when I'm six feet under, my biggest prayer is that that's what I leave behind, you know, mm-hmm. this, this um, little footprint I left. Mm. of unity mm. you know my father-in-law um you know we talk a lot he's such an amazing man and one of the adinkra symbols from ghana that we were talking about uh, represents unity and diversity and every time i go on stage that's all i'm thinking unity mm. and diversity mm-hmm. you know beautiful and isn't it funny? I mean, the themes that you, you explore, the personal themes of motherhood and wifehood, it doesn't matter who you mm. are, where you are in the world. Mm. We're all mothers. We love someone. Yeah. We, yeah. We, we hold someone and something precious. And even the things we get angry about in the country. Yes. You know, we get yes. angry about the same thing. Yes. <laughs> we get angry about the same thing. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes we forget that. Yeah. Yeah. We get so you know, we, stuck we allow, in our corner. We are, yes. We allow a small minority of half idiots, half just purely ignorant people make us forget that, you know? Like, I'm so passionate about this country, you don't understand. I think this is one of the most exciting places to be. If if you've been born here, like, you must have done something great in your past life because this is where it's at. So talking about TV, uh, that was my, my <laughs> sorry, I was trying to be funny and it so didn't work. <laughs> you said half <laughs> idiots and I said, talking about TV. And it's even worse if you have to try and explain it. Um, do you think your TV got you an audience for comedy or your comedy got you an audience for TV? I think TV, uh, that's such a, that's an interesting one. Uh, I, I would say TV got me the 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 audience in comedy ish, but I feel like they're so different because I was doing comedy long before I was on TV and I had a following. Um, mm. It mm. just wasn't, um, you know, social media wasn't mm. as huge as it is now, but you know, I I, I could see it in my audiences and in you know what had happened after with the people I would meet and whatever. But yeah, um, I think they feed each other. Mm. They feed uh, each other. Uh, so TV helps, though, because of the, the the bigger reach. It just depends on what you're doing on TV. Mm. There's stuff I've done on TV that has not helped my comedy at all, mm. you know, and there's stuff that has just, you know, completely helped catapult. Well, you know, in my mind, comedy is uh, an exp- you're stretching the mind, whereas TV, mm. uh, with my lame joke, often is um, more of a... I can sit down and and it's a different kind of engagement. Mm, mm, mm. I'm in the safety of my house. If I don't like what you're saying, I just have to change the channel and not worry about having spent 200 grand to see you. <laughs> yeah, um, and it's, I'm, I'm, I'm in my I'm zone. I'm, 
I'm basically just trying to chill after my day, whatever it brought me. Mm. Although that would be the mm. same with comedy. Um, but mm. there's a different level of engagement. Yeah, they go, if you're important enough to be on TV, you must be important enough to see live. That's the logic. <laughs> so tell us That's about your logic. TV. Tell us, of all the work you've done in She's the One and Our Perfect Wedding and, um, you know, th- these new shows you're going to be doing in 2017, what is the one that you're the most proud of? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm actually quite proud of two. Performance-wise, I'm, I'm quite proud of OPW because I, I feel like I came into a show that had its own personality and I managed to, um, to bulldoze my personality into it. Mm-hmm. And the public and kept, you, kept coming back to you and wanting more. Yeah, you know, and even after I've left and I've watched it and I've gone, I see, you know, you can still see residue that you've left behind. Mm, mm. And you go, yeah, I made an impact. Mm. I left a footprint. Mm. Um, I'm proud of that, definitely. Um, and how popular I got, you know. Mm. Um, and I'm also extremely proud of Got the Life Crisis, which is a, a sitcom my husband and I produced and wrote on. And uh, we featured him in the last season. Uh, actually, we both were in the last season. I just did one episode and he did a few. And I'm proud of it because, you know, we've always promised ourselves that when we start a production company, we're not going to try and push to be the sausage factory that's just churning out productions. We're going to put on productions that we want to watch, mm-hmm. that we mm. would want to watch that would be proud of mm. and and that's it even if it means we only get to do three productions in mm. five years mm. or one mm. that's fine and that's what i loved about it in that we produced an intelligent uh, sitcom i'm i still to this day stand for that we were it was smart um and we actually managed to use Mnet's money wisely. <laughs> so, well, somebody's got to do that. Because yeah. <laughs> when they give you that money, you're like, oh, my gosh, I must account for all of this money. <laughs> OMG. And we did it. I was very happy. And especially because after the last one, we actually managed to even um, beyond break even. We were so happy. And I'm very proud of that because you also as a couple, man, you know, when you work together, yeah. your bay is your bay. Yeah. Now, when you and Bay are now business partners, oh, yeah. knowing, knowing when to switch on that switch and switch it off is such a challenge. And the fact that we got through that and we're still married on the other side, <laughs> such a huge achievement. I think that you, know, that you need an award for, not the other stuff. Dude, yeah. dude and then we were nominated for so many awards. Uh, it got us a lot of nominations. We got one win. I think, no, we got two wins. Um, but we, we got nominations. And we were very excited about that as well because we were like, you know, this confirms for us that mm. we can create great work together, you know. Well, I think also as a couple, you often feed of each other. You're on the same wavelength. So you think maybe it's just mm. us that are getting it. So uh, awards mm. basically say it's not just you. <laughs> mm. And, and mm. The, the integrity of your work shines through. Oh, yeah. Now tell us about 2017. There's there's some of your own shows you're doing with SABC, and some of the work you you're doing as 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 a brand ambassador with various people. Yeah, um, I think I've spent a lot of time underestimating myself. Um, I, then again, it could be just because I was so focused on just getting it right, you know, this comedy thing. 
But um, I've been blessed. I've been hugely blessed in that 2017 has just, it's been the longest January of my life, I will I have to tell you. And this is in a good way. Um, so Jaguar, uh, Minlin have, uh, are sponsoring me, this F-Pace. I get to drive this monstrosity of a car that gives me crazy attention. It is amazing. It is, an, uh, oh my gosh. And I, so I asked, the, I asked the dealership, I said, does this mean I have to behave myself? What does this mean? What, if, what, what happens if I agree to take this thing? What do I need to change? Do I How not do I have to, to give anyone the finger? <laughs> yeah, you know. And literally, literally they were like, please be yourself. Wonderful. We are giving you this Wonderful. car because you are who you are. Yeah. And I just I got choked up and I was like, oh, my street cred. These people can't see me crying. So let me just hold it in. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it gangster. Um, so there's that happening. Um, there's also a clothing label that I just spoke to now who apparently are now wanting to throw some clothes at me. Um, and and they, they're saying they're just loving the whole weight loss journey. And I was finished. I was like, really, guys? Really? Wow. Okay. Thanks. I'll take it. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, it's, and it's Red It's going to be a fantastic year. What's that about? And Red Cake is a variety show that I'm doing with Ellen Committee. Now, if there's anything you want me to do, it can be anywhere. It can be in a war-torn country. If you're sending me there with Alan Committee, I'm in, in a heartbeat. <laughs> um, it's basically a variety show where we call in all, all kinds of celebrities and well-known people, and we get to play all sorts of games. Now, I don't know if you know Red Cakes. Do you know Red Cakes that they sell in the townships? No, I only know the, the 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 one that they have to make red by putting false stuff in, and it's trendy, but it's just cake that's made red. Mm. Well, the red cake that's in the townships is basically like um, it's, it's, it's bits of other cakes all put together to make this one cake. <laughs> oh, wonderful! What a wonderful! Yeah. I mean, what a metaphor it, it, that we're really coming full circle to what you what you were talking of in the beginning of the show. Mm, yes, the unity and diversity, exactly. So, what happens with this is we've taken a variety of everything, like stuff from Ellen DeGeneres' show. Um, um, Jimmy Fallon, um, Township Games, um, um, and we've, we've mixed it with comedy and music, and um, we get to interview guests. So we get to meet our favorite uh, celebrities, but you know you can watch 10, 10 interviews and really see the same thing over and over. So we want to shine celebrities in a different light, show a fun side to them, play with them, joke with them, so I'll be asking them questions I'm curious about and questions I think the person on the street is really curious about, not questions that a journalist is interested in. You know what I mean? Because um, sometimes I actually don't care what your qualifications are. I want to know whether you you um, are a whiskey or a tequila person. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. So, yeah, it's just a fun variety show, basically, and I'm really looking forward to it. So a busy year, as you say, January's been busy and it's going to keep on right. I mean, we've just got out of January and uh, it, it's... And I shot an entire show already. Mm -hmm. I already shot mm -hmm. Point of Order with, the, with both worlds, who are the guys behind Zan News. So we, we did Point of Order. We did 13 episodes. Um, in that time, I was also preparing for Red Cake. Um, also having a conversation with another production company. Um, I'm hoping, fingers seriously crossed, to go into this project in the middle of the year. Um, I've also got some big news that'll come <laughs> soon, mm -hmm. soon. 
That um, sounds like a Beyonce twins moment. I know, right? Yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, when you say that, I mean, what can I say? <laughs> yeah, can I just promise the country, after my weight loss journey, ain't no babies happening here. <laughs> I worked too hard to get here. I have seen what babies do to my body. Oh, my goodness. I am not that one blessed with those genes of those girls who look like they spirited the babies out of their bodies and all the fat was taken away by the fat gods. You know, I'm those girls who, when I get pregnant, yeah, it's a full commitment, ne? <laughs> it's like everything gives in, even the nose gets fat. So <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, no. Okay, now so I lots of, of things that people can look forward to. Now let's get back no, to your lots. tour, because that's what we, you know, we're talking about is your South African tour. Where are you going? You said you're going all over South Africa, but where? I'm going to be everywhere. If it's a small town with a small casino nyana or a small nyana, theater nyana, I'm there, Baba. So I've tried to cover all nine provinces. And I've tried to, as much as possible, also go to places where I know people have reached out to me on Facebook. Okay. So, yeah. So I'm going to be even dorpies that people are going to be like, where is Tim Marrakesh? She's been kidnapped. That's where I'm going to be. So I'm um, hoping you're going to come to the small little dorpy of Cape Town. Oh, yes. You know, that little dorpy, <laughs> although it's so tiny, OMG, where am I going to stay? Is very much on my wish list. I love going to Cape Town. It used to intimidate me. Cape Town used to intimidate me, and now it's become one of my favorite places to do comedy. Well, there you are. Now, when do you start your tour, and when do you get to Cape Town? Because after all, you are on Cape Talk. (laughs) Um, I actually started my tour on the 28th of January in Emerald 20 in Nelspreet. Funny we didn't Um, notice that. (laughs) I know. It's it missed your, our Cape Town radar. Your, your, your little dorpy of yeah. Cape Town yeah. <laughs> is not interested yeah. in the huge city. <laughs> um, so I started off there and then I'm just going to be doing other parts of Gauteng because, you know, also as comics, we, it's, it's such a go-to place where you'd want to do stand-up to do it in Johannesburg. Of course. So now I'm going to play in Pretoria, play in the other surrounding areas, um, go into your Valcoms, you know. I'm going to go home to Bloemfontein. I will be in Cape Town-ish. I don't have my diary in front of me, but I know it's April. It's either April okay. or March. So we'll probably get it's, your... It's very soon. You'll probably, we'll probably get your news before we get you in Cape Town. Yes, you guys will know where I'll, when I'll be there before I know. <laughs> and I'm going to be there. But I do know it's either March or April. Um, and then I travel, travel, travel. And I will be coming back to Cape Town. I'm going to do to me or not to me. But I, I believe I will also come back again. Um, with with another show. So, look, I'm going to completely overindulge in Cape Town because um, I feel like now what I need to do with all this positive energy and good luck that's been happening for me in 2017, I'm hoping that the comedy gods and the money gods decide that I deserve property in in Cape Town and somehow I score something hot in Cape Town because um, it's such a fantastic place. Now, hang on, hang on. Just because somebody gives you a Jaguar to drive, you think somebody's listening to this and they're going to give even you give some me, property? No, not somebody <laughs> give me a property, but I've seen how much property costs. If I pay less than what property costs in Cape Town, that's as good as a giveaway. Because I feel like I deserve it. I deserve, I deserve a property in Cape Town. Because every time I'm there, man, it's like, I feel like I've been in a spa. I always come back to Jubek so much more calm. And then it's undone in 24 hours. 
it, it, there's such, you know what it's like. It's like I understand. Joburg and Cape Town are cities that are addictive. I think, but they make me understand men who marry more than one wife because you get different things out of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. Both quite satisfying. I love the adrenaline rush of of Joburg. I love it. I love the pump, the push. But I also love the moment of Cape Town. You get to savor so much when you're in Cape Town. You know, you don't fly past things. You're in there. And I love that. So, oh, man. Okay, now that you've finished schmoozing Cape Town, (laughs) 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 there's nothing left for me to do but to thank you very much for being on Cape Talk with me this morning.